Well, good evening. Certainly good to be before you this evening. Um, I hope that you'll be able to say the same <laughs> um, about me uh, here in a little bit. But uh, the uh, scripture reading that we had this evening in Luke chapter 8, as well as the same accounts as recorded in Matthew in chapter 8 and 23 and 20 through 27, and in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It speaks of that when, well, I'll just go back to Luke 8 and begin in, in Luke 8 and 22. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Well, I'm going to pull the same stunt that Leland pulled this morning and I'm going to hit you with the punchline first. I want to talk about getting to the other side. Um, it's something that's been very heavy on my mind. Uh, the last time that I spoke, I spoke about asking the question, are you going to make it? Are we going to make it? Well, a couple of Sundays ago, something provoked my mind thinking about this as well. Sitting in the pew, and I started making a list. Now, I've been in this area of Murfreesboro for a little over 30-plus 30, 30 years and stuff. And so, and when you stay in some places long, in a period of time like that, you get to know a lot of people. And you see a lot of people come, you see a lot of people go, you know, moving in, moving out, knowing different people in different congregations and such as well. And I got to thinking about the different ones that I know who have fallen away. Those who have left the Lord. Those who based on what I understand from Scripture, are not going to make it to the other side. And, of course, I'm drawing some parallels from this particular uh, passage in this to think about asking the question, are we going to make it to the other side? Oftentimes, even before this came to my mind, um, when I'm dealing with a particular um, struggle, whether it be in work, whether it be in a relationship, Whatever the case may be, I just think, well, just keep pressing on and get to the other side of it. Just get to the other side. Well, in a spiritual way, I'm thinking about getting to the other side of this life and, of course, in getting to heaven. And so thinking about that led me to this, to think about the different times and the, the storms that we, we uh, have to get through, uh, thinking about all the instances in scriptures that talk about that, thinking about all of the uh, hymns that we have. And I know that I've came up with at least five hymns plus 20-some-odd passages that speak of shipwrecks and things of that nature and, and, and traversing the, the, the storms, if you will, and stuff. And so thinking about that, that's my emphasis tonight, is considering getting to the other side and particularly what hinders what hinders us from getting to the other side? These folks that I've got in mind, different ones that I can see that have, have left the Lord, have left the faith, uh, have, if you will, suffered shipwreck, thinking about that. Well, what's caused that? What are the various reasons? And there are various. And so thinking about these things, the first thing that I would want to discuss would be the storms of life. 
life in general, things that we have to endure while we're here on this earth, what storms might they, those be? The big waves, if you will, that come with us, that can knock us off course, the ones that could cause us to lose our faith, the ones that I've seen with other folks losing their faith over as well. And so one of the first things that I, I just in general come uh, thinking about is our health. We see people, we know so many folks who are struggling with their health. Um, we know folks that are shut in. We know folks that are enduring aches and pains. And we see some that, you know, even would question the Lord to the point of saying, why me? Why is this happening to me? I often think about, and some of these guys have heard me, and especially in, since we just finished with our, our, our study in Psalms, if you will, and Psalms in um, Psalm 39, a well-known, but it's one to consider. The Psalm, you probably know, Psalm 39 and 4. Lord, make me to know the end of my end and that the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. To consider how frail we are. So it's no surprise to us to know that we are frail. And then, of course, couple that with Psalm 90. Well, if you, if you go to, it's not the main passage that I had in mind, but in Psalm 90 and 10, the days of our lives are 70 years, if by reason of strength they are 80 years. But then go on to verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of understanding. So if we keep these things in our mind to, to have an understanding of how frail we are, how temporarily we, we are on this earth, if you will, to think about that and to see that, have an understanding that we're only here for a short time and even if by reason that we make it to 70 or 80 years, that's still all that we have on this earth. And so we'll develop that thought more in a moment. But just to consider that, to consider that people get knocked off their course just because of their health. And to think about that brief moment of time on this earth compared to however many thousands of years man's been on this earth, six, seven thousand years, and then to compare that to eternity, that's nothing. It's nothing is worthy to be considered. So we shouldn't let that let us knock us off our path and keep us from getting to the other side. Then secondly, another storm of life that I see people get knocked off course by would be finances. And thinking about the different issues of finance. And I, th I often think about the, the, the proverb uh, that... that describes how our view of uh, the, the earthly riches, if you will. In Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. And so we can see the instances of the, the different ways that we could look at the blessings that we have on this earth or the lack of, whether whatever a person, how they may judge that, how they may see that. <clears throat> but seeing people get knocked off course by that, thinking about, 
You know, the Lord, he warned all the way back in Deuteronomy 8 when the people were going to the land of Canaan to not become complacent and not to consider what they have, they had done themselves and such as well. But when we think of these things, we know as far as having to go out into this world and as one uh, financial guru talks about, somebody's got to leave the cave, go out and kill something and drag it home. (laughs) Well, we know we have to work. We know that we have to provide for our own, as in mentioned in 1 Timothy 5 and 8. But there are different ways that we have to do that and the ways that we look at that and we consider that. Providing for our own versus just, as I call it, stacking things up are two different things. And uh, 1 Timothy paints this picture well for us. Beginning in 1 Timothy 6, uh, beginning in verse 6, now godliness with contentment is, gain, with, is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in their destruction and their perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We've seen that. You've seen that, I'm sure. I've seen, I was considering that even this evening, thinking about that. I know of three gospel preachers who have left the faith. Three gospel preachers. And that have gone to the world because one thing led to another and and to another and, and uh, the next thing you know, they're chasing, chasing the riches of this life instead of serving the Lord. And there's many people who have done that as well. They've left because of job opportunities, um, even to the point to where they were going to move to a region where there was no sound church and no sound brethren for a great employment opportunity, thinking that they could withstand the hardships and thinking, well, I can drive two hours once a week to go worship with brethren and things of that nature. And we see that whatever that case may be, and then they end up not making it to the other side. And so that's another one, storm of life. And then third would be relationships. And I know that this is not an extensive list, but uh, what I'm covering, but this is to give you an idea of what I'm seeing as well. Relationships thinking of those types of things, relationships in in marriage or those who are not married as well. Of course, it's God's plan from the beginning if a man and woman would come together and be married. And then it's reaffirmed in Matthew, from Genesis to Matthew in 19, we see the same thing that it's reaffirmed as well, that that's God's plan and stuff. But if one chooses to be married, we see so often that it may be one sound brother or sister, and they become unequally yoked. They marry someone who's not of, of the faith, and or one of them even falls away, and it pulls them away as well. And so the next thing you know, they're off course, they're shipwrecked. I've, I can't even begin to tell you how many people, how many situations that I know of that, uh, where they, they were faithful and then they, 
things of this nature happen to them and they lose their faith over it. And so that's another one to be concerned with. And then secondly, and this um, under this heading, if you will, of relationships, I'm looking at the wrong page, no wonder, um, is family. We're seeing this so often in this day and time because as people fall away, they take their families with them. And one of the big areas that we're seeing this now is people such as my age or older who have grown children and their children are falling away. Their children in unscriptural marriages. Their children are in homosexual relationships. Their children, this, you can just go on with the list. And so they deny what they do know and they leave the faith following their children. And, that, and so we know that we've been warned in scripture of things um, and of course we see in Matthew in chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 beginning in verse 21. Now brother will deliver up brother to death and a father his child and children will raise up against parents and cause them to be put to death and you will be hated for my namesake but he who endures to the uh, but he who endures to the end will be saved. And then going over to verse 34, do not think that I came to bring peace on this earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and the man's enemies will be those of his own household. And these things are real. These are not just biblical you know, accounts. These things are very real to this day. I sat down at lunch the other day with a dear sister with some other friends and stuff, and she was to the point of tears talking about the relationship with her family. And she said, when I used to read this, I didn't, I didn't really think it could ever happen. And now she's in the middle of it, and she's having to separate herself from her family because of it, and it hurts. And the people, some people can't endure this hurt. They choose not to endure this hurt, and they lose their faith over it. It's not easy. It's very painful. So that's another one, and the family. And then, of course, in friends, we see, of course, we just finished again our study in, uh, in Psalms, and David mentioned so many times those whom he trusted betrayed him and the hurt. Psalms 41 uh, in verse 9, he mentions that those that he trusted, his friends that he trusted, and they betrayed him, and it hurts. And so some people choose to allow their friends to, those who may betray them, they allow that to cause them to either lose their faith or they choose to go with their friends and not lose this as well. And, of course, we know that those who we trust can betray us. They're humans as well. We know that Christ was betrayed by Judas even. And so we know these things can happen. And then also under this same heading of relationships, I will point out and think about leaders. Leaders can hurt us. Leaders can cause people to go astray. They can hurt people in such a way that they lose their faith as well. We know of political leaders, which you know we don't put a lot of stock in those, but even we've seen spiritual leaders who have done these types of things. 
Of course, we know in Isaiah in 3 and 12 and 9 and 16, he mentions that the leaders caused them to err and led them astray. And in Matthew 15 and 14, the blind leaders leading the others into the ditch. And so the blind leading the blind. And when that happens, it hurts. And this caused people to lose their faith. People who have put their stock in men. Now, we have three shepherds here, and we have two ministers here, and we could consider them our leaders in ways that they teach and preach and lead, but I would be willing to bet that every one of them would stand up here tonight and say, if I start to lead you astray, get away. <laughs> Don't let me lead you astray and such. And so, but we see that happening, and we see people become embittered by it and then, because they put their stock in men, they have allowed themselves to be hurt to the point that they fall away. And so that's another one that I've seen recently as well. And so there's the one area that I would consider the storms of life. These storms of life that, that knock people off course and keep them from getting to the other side. Of course, another uh, major one would be the storms of sin, Satan, and temptation. Sin, Satan, and temptation keep people from getting to the other side. Of course, we know uh, in James uh, chapter 1 describes how this process works, this, this process of temptation. Begin in James 1 verse 14. But each one, when he is tempted, he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when his desire, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, full grown, it brings forth death. And so each person, each one of us, can have particular areas, particular weaknesses that are, would cause us to be tempted and to be drawn away from what we know to do is right. And then there's Satan right there to help. There's Satan to dangle whatever that is in front of us and provoke us and to do those things that we might be tempted in as well. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our frailties. He tried with Job. We know the story of Job. And he tried it with Jesus. We know that story well. And he'll certainly try it with us. And first, um, he tried it with, of course, he was attributed to him, uh, Satan, with Peter in, first, in uh, Matthew 16 and 23. Of course, in um, Matthew in, uh, 16 and 23, um, He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, Answer, said to him, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed to you this, but my Father who is in heaven. And also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be bound in heaven, And then he commanded his disciples and to them, that they should tell no one 
that he was Jesus the Christ. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began rebuking him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned to him and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So Peter was being more mindful, thinking more like a man. And that, that even that particular weakness of his was attributed to Satan. And then there was others as well. Um, and Judas, we see that Satan entered him in John 13 and 27. Ananias in uh, chapter 5 and verse 3. Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. And in forgiveness and consequences, we are vulnerable. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. This punishment, which is inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for a man, so that on the contrary you ought to rather forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. For this end I also wrote that you might put to the test whether you're obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive, anything I also forgive. For indeed I have forgiven anything, and I have forgiven, I have forgiven that the one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I often think about that as well, thinking about our consequences that we have to endure. And as brethren, as we are to forgive brethren, of their sins and their trespasses and stuff, and to think about the consequences. But he knows, Satan knows, while we are weak and while we are even enduring those consequences, that's an opportunity for him to enter back into us. I've seen that many times as well, that where a brother has put himself into a particular situation, <clears throat> after he's enduring those consequences, he's not willing to endure those consequences and because Satan is surely helping him to go the other direction as well. And so that's something for us to think about in two regards. And one is helping folks who are struggling. But secondly, when we're thinking about before we do something, the consequences that we might endure, that Satan's going to use that against us as well and try to continually pull us down with that. So Satan is always there to get us, and we see in these different instances in our weakness and our frailties as well. And then finally under these storms of sin, Satan, and temptation, the sin itself, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all of these things that are mentioned in 1 John 2 and 16, they work against us. All sin, if we say all of us sin, and if we say we don't have sin, which was mentioned today, in Romans 2 and 3, <clears throat> Romans 3, 23, then we lie. In 1 John verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, tells us this as well. That we, if we say that we don't have sin, we're sinning again because we're lying, which is a sin. And so <clears throat> we have to be careful against these different things. And then pride can keep us from c confessing and repenting of our sins as well. 
And we are told to confess our sins. And so we have to guard against those things. Well, thirdly, the storms of salvation. And you say, the storms of salvation? How can salvation be a, a storm that works against us? Well, accepting the terms. Accepting the terms. Not all are willing to accept the terms. Felix in Acts in chapter 24 and Agrippa Acts 26, they were not willing to accept the terms of salvation that was being offered to them and many others. And so part of those things that, we, that work against us in that, in w which I have seen, is we're going to have to make some changes. If I'm going to accept the terms of salvation, I've got to make some t changes in my life. I've got to make some changes in my relationships, maybe with family, as we mentioned, with friends, not being unequally yoked, as just mentioned in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14. And we see people who are not willing to do that. And it can go back to the marriage situation that we mentioned. Perhaps someone is introduced to the Lord, is introduced to the steps of salvation, but they're in a particular uh, marriage that's unscriptural. They're not willing to accept that. That's a storm that they're, they're going to have to get through in order to make it to the other side. Um, again, going back to the finances and thinking about the steps. You say, this, the steps of salvation, how's the, that going to work in, against someone, their finances? Once again, they may be in a, a, an unhonorable occupation. And stuff. Maybe, they're, maybe they're a bartender. <laughs> you know, I don't know. There's so many things that people have chosen to do of this world that puts them in situations that, that it's not an honorable work. And so, once again, accepting those terms that they were going, they're going to struggle with as well. Um, <clears throat> here's another very difficult one, and that is accepting that some loved ones are not saved can be a very, very big hindrance to accepting the terms of salvation. If they say, my father... If I, if, I, if I say I believe what this book says and I accept these terms, I'm also saying that my father was not faithful and he's not going to go to heaven. I can't do that. I've seen that. I'm sure you probably have too. And so, so there is a hindrance and also people who fall away over that as well because their parents have fell away over those types of things. Um, <clears throat> And then secondly, a part of this storms of salvation, some may struggle um, to believe. Some may just struggle to believe what the, what the Word says. I've heard some people say, I just don't believe that those miracles could happen. I don't believe that Jesus could calm the sea. I don't believe that, you know, He could have parted the Red Sea. I don't believe that He could have flooded this whole earth I've heard all of these things. You probably have too. They have not developed their faith yet. And so, now also I've seen that the, the, the converse of that to where people have fell away later on and they point and they say, you know, now I don't believe that those miracles could have happened. I don't believe um, the uh, creation versus evolution. All of these arguments, and you probably have heard these as well. And so, these are things that are, we're seeing that are becoming, that all of these have been hindrances to keep people from getting to the other side. 
Of course, we know that the, the best answer to that is in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And, and in my mind is, is that the, the more that if they would be willing to listen and to study, and to, the more their faith would grow, the more that these things work together for good. And we're about to have this gospel meeting, plug for that, by the way. Um, these things that we're going to be discussing in this meeting about the evidences uh, as well, I believe will be very beneficial. If you've got some friends that are struggling, it would be a great time to invite them to that. Um, <clears throat> then another part of this storms of salvation that people struggle with is just stay in the course. Stay in the course as well. We can all suffer, and we all do, if we go to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 3. First Thessalonians 3. I get that. Yeah, uh, beginning in verse 3. I'll pick up where, well, I'll, just, I'll go ahead back to the beginning. Therefore, uh, verse 1, we could no longer endure it, and we thought it was good that, to be left in Athens alone, and then and sent Timothy, our brother, minister of God, and fellow laborer of the gospel, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before we were with you that we would suffer tribulation, just this happened, and you know. And, and so then he says, uh, I'll go to verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor might be vain. Well, part of this he's warned them. If you go back over to chapter 2, um, beginning in verse 13, but in particularly verse 14, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as the truth, for the word of God, which also effectively works in you, uh, believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea and Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as you did from the Judeans. And so this suffering... And we know in other places as well that has told us that we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer trials and tribulations just as these brethren were. And so we know that these hardships are going to happen as well. So we have to be focused on staying the uh, course. In Romans in chapter 8 and verse 18, <clears throat> Paul mentions, For I consider it... For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. And also in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For our light affliction, which is but a moment, is working for us far more exceeding and eternal. Uh, and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so, <clears throat> stay in the course. Stay in the course, being focused. This is a struggle 
that we have in this storm, if you will, I'm calling it the storm of salvation. And so that is one, staying in the course. Secondly, is part of staying in this course is if someone falls over and takes us with them. Man overboard, if you will, that doesn't want to be saved. You know, I always think about this analogy. When they were training, when they trained someone to be a lifeguard, and they tell someone, when you go in to save someone, if they start to pull you under, you've got to let them go. If they're going to pull you under, and you got to let them go because then you're both going to drown and stuff. And that's what I see here thinking about this, thinking about when someone doesn't want to be saved. And so we're struggling to hold on to as many people and take as many with us as we cross, if you will. But <clears throat> there is a point to where while we're striving to stay the course, some don't want to stay it with us. And so we have to keep focused on the other side. Well, what does it take to get to the other side? Well, as we mentioned, and as we saw in our, um, our um, passage scripture reading tonight, it's going to take faith. It's going to take a lot of faith. These things that we've seen in the scriptures, it's going to take us believing what we see, what we know. And we've got to stay focused on that. We, got to stay, we have to stay focused on that. We have to plan and we have to stay the course. In Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, beginning in verse 21. And you once were alienated and enemies in, in your own mind by the wicked works, and yet now he has reconciled us in the body of his flesh through the death to the present to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Here's that conditional word, that great big little word, if. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, and I, Paul, became a minister. So stay in this course. Stay in this course, being steadfast, hanging on, not letting go, having that determination, if you will. And so we have to think about those things to get to the other side. Considering all of these pitfalls, and I know this is just a, a potpourri list, if you will, of things that we... I've seen that is keeping people from getting to the other side. But we have to think about that. We have to think about our calling and what we're trying to accomplish to get to the other side. And it takes obedience. In John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then, of course, the warning against in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, if we do not obey, if we do not keep these commandments, we will have everlasting destruction. So <clears throat> thinking about that, thinking about the different things that are required to getting to the other side. Well, part of the, one of the biggest, one of the first big things to do, of course, is we talk about what we know in uh, Romans, I'm sorry, Acts in chapter 2 and 38, um, therefore Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. Of course, with the class that we had this morning, 
and the sermon we had this morning, if you were here for them, you've, you've heard more than enough to know what to do. Now, I found out when I was teaching, when I was leading the study, let me put it that way, the young adult class, the, those great group of guys in there and stuff, they did not appreciate my Pictionary artwork. So I'm going to use the PowerPoint right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to use your minds as well. And over here, there's this little island, right? Okay, you got it? Now over here, there's this beautiful oasis, right? Now what you've got to do, you've got to get to there, to there. But you've got to go through the water to do it. You've got to be baptized. That's, there's, no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's an absolute. And then you've got to live a life of faith and obedience to stay the course. But we see folks, of course, that I'm concerned about who have not done that, that are, we're working with, we're being patient, we're praying for. And, of course, there are those who have drifted off course as well. And we pray for you. And we hope that you, each one of you will stay the course, that you will make it to the other side. We all want to get to the other side. If there's someone here this evening who has not rendered obedience or has left the faith, there's a song that we sing. If we never meet again this side of heaven, I want all of us to get to the other side. The Lord wants you to get to the other side. We pray that you will, and if we can assist you this evening in doing that, we ask you to come as we stand and sing.